Saturday night lit is back to a modern podcast app near you. Value for value, podcasting 2.0. This is Captain Brunch. And rocking the lie item tag is your boy Chimp. Back for another fun night. From the swamps of South Florida. In an underground bunker. Deep underground, underneath the limestone layers. On the second floor. <laughs> What's up? Not too much, Jim. How you doing? It's been a pretty busy week for me, actually. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm getting kicked out of my house soon, so oh, I'm <laughs> rushing man. to clean and find the a place. Saga. and Yeah, a lot of stress. But I'm really sorry about that, man. Hopefully it's to greener pastures. I hope, I hope you find a house with a nice banana tree in the backyard. And some grass-finished beef. <laughs> wow, that means you're moving out west? What's up? Actually, yeah. Stressing me out. I'm looking at a place in West Hollywood, right by I-75. Mm. Oh, well, interesting. Very interesting indeed. Got my fingers. Ooh, and a little place in the back for recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's that would be cool. I got my fingers definitely crossed. That would be very cool. But anyway, what's going on with you? How was your week? My week is good. It's very busy. Um, you know, work and... You know, watching lots of YouTube videos as I always do, trying to learn things. Uh, so, with your three screen setup, do you have three different videos on at once? No, or? there's only one screen that tends to have videos on. It's the, the the right screen. Sometimes the middle screen will have like a video, but usually the right screen. And I got a lot of like videos ready to go. So your tweet deck is on the left, the left screen. screen. Yeah. Your chatting is in the middle screen. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. your right screen like is... Activities are usually in the middle, and then like the passive stuff or the ongoing stuff is on the left or the right. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I had I wanted to uh, open on somewhat of a somber note. Oh. Because, uh, you know, it's November, but back in September, a family friend passed away. Mm. And uh, today my mother attended the, the memorial service for this person and uh, this person actually th their name was sushil rao and when he was alive uh, one of his uh talents and hobbies was translating ancient poems from sanskrit into english wow cool yeah right so he's got this uh this one book it's kind of funny it's like fate uh they were selling some of these books at the memorial i guess to raise money i don't know exactly for what but um his books and someone spilled wine all over one of these books and so they just someone gave it to my mom instead of her having to buy it she did buy a book we have a few of his books already but anyway so i wanted to read one of the poems from this book so this, this book is called poems of mira and then mira is supposed to be i guess an ancient mystic poet from sanskrit and then the first poem in the book it's really short it's called don't forget your reality then I wanted to read it to kind of, I don't know, get us started on something interesting and different. What are you waiting for? Don't forget your reality. So this is translated by Sushil Rao. Human being, don't forget your reality. This gift of life is for a few days only. Take advantage of your opportunity. You came here for a beautiful reason. Don't let greed delude you into sleep. Don't waste your resources following desires wake up and realize your fortune hmm so you know that's the kind of deep vague stuff that ancient mystics used to 
So. Right, because <laughs> you could easily inter- interpret the greed as the fortune and vice versa. <laughs> but I think it just tries to speak to the soul and, okay, so you know what the right decision is without actually saying. Yeah, but there's <laughs> also like that the thing about you only live for a few days. And I mean, yeah, so it's we live for thousands of days, but when you compare it to... Uh, when we think about, we think about generations, we think about thousands of years. So we don't live for nearly as long as, as the, the amount of time that we can consider or conceive of. So to not, maybe not get confused. I don't know. Cause like uh, oftentimes I think greed makes us make decisions that are short sighted. Oftentimes Bitcoiners and Austrian economics type people talk about time preference. And so maybe that's a part of it, right? It's like, greed a part of greed is is trying to maintain the ability to have instant pleasure constantly you know like i want to have my fix whenever i want it so i'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that i have my fix whenever i want it regardless of who else might suffer from you know from that that's usually the way i interpret greed you know like people who are willing to hurt others to just get what they want that's that's when i i hold it against someone like if if you're doing whatever you want to do to like get rich or to do your business and that's cool just don't hurt others it's the people who hurt and they're so you know like politicians for instance yeah <laughs> taking advantage of others I, I completely agree i was speaking to someone yesterday and they're like oh i hate landlords this is a younger person like i hate landlords yeah. they're like oh why do you hate landlords so much what's the story behind you hating landlords <laughs> oh there's no story it's just you know like you'd hate them, <laughs> you'd hate them too if, if, if you know how much money they made i'm like Okay. Well, they don't all make the same amount of money. <laughs> Is that why you hate them? Because they make more money? I would hate a lot of people if that was the case, <laughs> you know? Indeed. But it was just, it just, you know, I'm sure if the conversation kept going, it would have been like, you know, oh, they're just so greedy, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, as long as you're not hurting anybody and taking yeah. advantage of them. And those things, I mean, the things all might be true. And it's probably also true that what you really hate is cities. People really hate cities. They don't hate landlords. They hate the fact that they can't make enough money to have everything they want in a city. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where people want to be. And then if you don't live in a city, then you don't make enough money to have everything you want because it's only available in cities. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, You know, it's funny. It's just weird, like civilization and like how abnormal and unnatural some of it. So, Ooh, okay. I thought the power went out because the screens went out. <laughs> But maybe something did happen. Yeah, because I also stopped hearing it in my ear, too. Are we still streaming? We are, but did, I don't know if we're still streaming. Let me check. Do, 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 do. It says we're on air. Technical difficulties. I did it. I'm doing a timestamp so we can correct this. If if you are on air and you can hear us, you should let us know if you can hear us. I think somebody unplugged the, the LAN cable. <laughs> no, nah, I think we're good. Don't worry, we'll just fix it in post. Yeah, we will fix it in post. But until I'm sure that I hear good, you. you hear, yeah, okay. we're always nine meals away from anarchy. <laughs> That's but the panda. For a second, it was just a long buzz. Yeah, my computer turned off, and my that's weird. But there's still power going to it, though. You could see. I think brunch is going to have to invest in a new CPU or <laughs> a new GPU now. <laughs> no, I just need like maybe um new uh thermal paste. Okay, hey, Art, Art, hop in the Saturday Night Lit chat. 
so I gotta, I gotta get back in the zone. <laughs> yes, please continue. Um, what are we talking about? Cities? No, well, we, we worked. Oh yeah, people hate cities. I mean, it's just like the okay. So the idea is that it's unnatural, and I mean, there's a lot of things that I like about cities. Cities are cool for all sorts of reasons. Uh, they make all kinds of things happen historically, but they are not natural. They are not what we like. If you believe in evolution, they're not what we evolved to live in. And if you don't believe in evolution and you believe in creation, they're certainly not what God created us to live in. God created us to live in Eden. If you believe in creationism. So, you know, the cities are these weird kind of neurotic experiments that we force humans into. They're very like economically productive. They're very, um, uh, like economically industrially. There's a lot of things that you can produce in cities because you have all these people in a small space but otherwise it's not necessarily good for like human mental health it's certainly not like when they did all these studies they still do them all the time that show that like nature and mountains and fresh air are good for good for your psyche right so that that implies that like not having those things around you is bad for your psyche yeah i don't know where i would be without like my morning or evening walk with the dogs it's that's my form of meditation yeah but but that walk is like in a city and so you're getting but i you do uh, thankfully i've always lived in neighborhoods that have lots of trees and we do have the benefit here in south florida of having a lot of trees like we're not so dense and it's not like in most of of miami it's not so kind of like concrete jungle that you don't have lots of trees but some places like you you got to imagine like a downtown or a brickle unless you're like right in a park it's it's very different. <laughs> like that shade is not coming from the trees. It's coming from the fact that you're next to a 57-story building. I think you have to add art to the chat. He's not in there. He's not in the chat? No, he's fucking up. Oh, I can't add him to the chat because uh, his, his of his settings. Oh. <laughs> so if you sent him a link to the chat, like we could send him a link. Yeah, I got it. And... Uh, so yeah, I got so it. I, I got, got this. Um, I did some. I did some clips for today's show. And, um, so, you know, I love to watch, to listen to podcasts. I don't watch podcasts, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts, especially during work. Cause you know, I'm like sitting there doing some tedious manual labor job that doesn't require me to talk to anyone. So I will, you know, I'll listen to podcasts and I've been listening to the fall of civilizations podcast. I think I might actually have caught up with it. It doesn't have too many episodes and it's really interesting. I've mentioned it before. It's because they cover civilizations that existed a long time ago did crazy things, you know, like had cities, <laughs> big cities, built big cities, made crazy things happen, and then, you know, crumbled for some reason. And there was one story that he did about the Nabataeans, which was a civilization that existed around Mesopotamia, like in the Mesopotamian, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? The, that area. The Fertile Crescent. There we go. The Fertile Crescent. So like that was it. But it wasn't Mesopotamia. They actually like just they were after Mesopotamia. They destroyed the, the anyways. So in the storyline, he, he talks about like the Babylonians who were pre Nabataean, if I remember correctly, and they had invaded Judea. And before I, before I go too much into this, actually, let me play this, this clip real quick. Wait. Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let me go to the beginning of the clip. You ready? Oh yeah. Of course.
listen to the lyrics. And when I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about the Babylonians invading Judea and taking a bunch of slaves um, from this city, I don't remember specifically what the city was. Maybe it was Jerusalem, but, um, and, and he started reading a quote from the Old Testament. And then the quote was the lyrics of this song. And so I, I don't know, it was some, I was kind of taken aback or shocked or some kind of like epiphany moment because I don't know a lot about you know, history of the Jews or history of the old, uh, the old Testament, or I'm not particularly religious. So, so this song that I'd heard so many times, usually from, uh, Bob Marley, like his version is very famous. And so then to hear like the lyrics, but just being read as verses of a poem from thousands of years ago, I was like, Whoa, like this is some crazy story. And the story is that when they were removed from their city, they were told by the Babylonians on the walk over to Babylon and they stop at this river and they're like, yo, you guys are like famous for, for the songs that you sing. And like, why don't you sing for us? And then, so that's what they're in, in the song in this, the modern one, right? Like the, by the rivers of Babylon, they're crying because the songs were attached to the land itself. Like they were singing for the land they were in. Is like this weird theological thing going on, right? Where they're only allowed to sing it in the Holy Land. They're not allowed to sing it like just, you know, on the way to Babylon as slaves. <laughs> That's like a desecration. I don't know. I never thought about that. It never struck me. I never understood like what the hell was going on in the song. It just seemed like, oh, you know, this is a cute song. Like, well, I wonder what's going on. <laughs> it's like actually like a really depressing and deep, <laughs> deep song. Very interesting. That's funny. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, an interesting cultural, because I don't think most people know about that or think about that. Well, the Rastafari and they believe in oh, a lot. I mean. Well, so, you know, the whole thing about Rastafarianism <laughs> is that there was a particular king of, was it Ethiopia, who they yeah. believe is like the, Haile like, Selassie like a, the first, yeah. a, uh, an embodiment of God. Yeah. And so then, you know, so then it makes me wonder, like, I don't understand, but then, you know, I don't understand like the theological history of that whole thing. Like, okay, so then how, what, what is the relationship between like the old religions and then like this new guy who then is God on earth and, and why is he singing this I think Old people, Testament song? I think people pick a point in the story where they want to pick up and then just <laughs> take the story from there. Yeah. Like there's so many versions of coming back from, there's so many versions of different stories that really go back to like Zoroastrianism really in terms mm. of like light and dark. Oh yeah. So, um, Freddie Mercury was a Zoroastrian. I was actually reading about this. I don't know how I got to the Queen Wikipedia page, but I was reading about Farouk Bulsara. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I was just reading. <laughs> and I learned about his his um his Parsi parents. I, I did not know about that. Okay. I think I actually got the episode of the podcast wrong about this, the 
follow Good civilizations. Job. And the reason why I said Nabataean is because I actually have a clip from an episode about the Nabataeans that I wanted to play. And this is a different, like, this is a totally different topic than what we were just talking about. But so in this story, the guy in this particular quote that he's about to read, he's reading a contract that was found in a, like a family's burial tomb. And so it's interesting that Nabataeans would build these tombs inside these big rocks in the desert. And they'd have like these really cool fronts that they would like design, make it look like a house, but the rest of it was just a big rock. And then, so this contract was basically saying like, okay, you know, this is our tomb. We own this tomb. So don't mess with this tomb. And, uh, it, it, the reason I recorded this is because, and again, this has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. This has more to do with the con- the question of like, what is a valid contract and how long is a contract valid for? It's, it's like, it has to do with private property. Like what makes private property valid? How long is private property valid? So let's listen to this contract that was in this family burial tomb. This is the tomb and platform and enclosure from which Hoshabu, son of Nafiu, son of Al-Kuf the Tamanite, made for himself and his children, and Habu, his mother, and Rufu, and Aftiu, his sisters and their children. Inviable according to the nature of inviability among the Nabataeans and Salameans forever. And may Dashara curse anybody who buries in this tomb anyone except those inscribed above, or sells it, or buys it, or gives it in pledge, or leases it, or makes a gift of it, or disposes of it. And whoever does other than what is written above shall be liable to the god Dushara for the full price of a thousand sellers, and to our lord king Haratet for the same amount. In the month of Shibat, the thirteenth year of Haratat, king of the Nabataeans, lover of his people. So, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a whole kind of maybe sociological or sociopolitical discussion we could have about the the legitimacy of the private property rights of a tyrant. But those discussions aside, I do think there's an interesting discussion or question to make about, like, when is a contract valid? Because, you know, libertarians and the more right-leaning conservative people they are very passionate about private property. And, you know, they tend to be of the mind that, like, the first person, you know, like, finders keepers, for the most part, that seems to be the general <laughs> rule that exists for, like, private property. If you got it first, if no one else can claim to have got it first, then you have a legitimate claim to it. So if, let's say there was some property that you had a legitimate claim to, let's 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 presume that, right? We're taking that for granted instead of debating that point. Then the question is, how long is a contract valid for? Because this guy, this guy, you know, he, he's pretty, I mean, he makes a lot of, in, like, again, let's listen to some of the details. Or sells it, or buys it, or gives it in pledge, or leases it, or makes a gift of it, or disposes of it. I don't know. That's pretty thorough. He's like saying, you know, if you do anything with this property that I have created and built to be my tomb for my family, like my God is going to punish you and you, you know, you're going to suffer a lot for that. 
I don't know. Should we respect that contract? Is that a valid contract? Not necessarily that we expect his God to do anything punishable to us, but like in, in the interests of private property in the interests of free markets, like, do we respect that this person has decided to dedicate this property to being unproductive, at least in any sense that like someone who develops it would care about? I think it comes more to whether you respect the person. I mean, if you respect the person, then I guess you'll respect their their little contract. Other than that, you don't, you don't really give a fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably the case. But I mean, it's just something that I wonder about, especially. Um, and I don't. I didn't expect to talk about this, but it's funny that I'm thinking about it now. Is like when it comes to let's say the Amazon rainforest, and a question of should we stop developing the Amazon rainforest? Should we stop encroaching into the Amazon rainforest for the purposes of agriculture and farming and um, animal husbandry? And should we just like allow it to exist? And there's not necessarily a person per se, but, and I don't, and then if it comes to a question of property rights, like who even really has the, the property rights? Cause the people who got there first were the natives and we don't give two shits about what they want but they usually want us to just get the fuck off their land and leave them alone and so you know i don't like personally i don't know what the argument is other than like what you said like like we don't give a fuck about the natives so even though they were there first even though they've been there for thousands of years and lived all over the place and been all over and they have every legitimate claim to like let's say the amazon rainforest as one example there's lots of other examples on the planet we don't care because like we want that land, we want to do stuff with that land. Like we have concepts like oh, co- like the country of Brazil. Like we, you know, we need, you know, we need that land to like farm soy and cows, and that's going to be good for Brazil. And it's as, as if they don't have like literally millions and millions of hectares already of land available for doing exactly that. Yeah, prep for the future. But I- <laughs> <laughs> which is that's an ironic <laughs> statement of you to say, champ. But um. I mean, I think it also comes down to, uh, I lost my train of thought, but um, oh, I also Christ. think about it in Miami, right? Because it's, in Miami, we have the urban development boundary. And then we also like, but Miami, Dade County and the Tri-County area is pretty big. You know, like Miami tends to be pretty spread out compared to other cities. People who come from big cities will be like, wow, everything's so far away from everything. And I think that has to do with the fact that we've taken up a lot of space. So when it comes to a place like Miami-Dade County, why do we need to keep encroaching into the Everglades? We've got all this land that's already available, all this like underdeveloped, unused, abandoned land, you know, buildings, factories, warehouses that are just sitting there doing nothing. And we got companies that are lobbying the county commission to be able to build in the Everglades. So to me, it's the same question. Like when do we, you know... What private property and contracts like the people of Miami-Dade County in in various forms have said, okay, like, let's stop fucking with the Everglades because it's going to destroy our source of water. Like, again, when I don't understand, I'm going to get all emotional about this for some reason, right? Because this is our fucking water. This is the water we drink. When I turn my tap on, that water is coming from a source that gets filtered through the Everglades coming from North Florida. This is where the source of water comes from. So the idea that we're going to just keep 
developing on top of the that that filtration system instead of letting the filtration system do what it does is kind of like suicide right it's like masochistic like civilizational masochism we are we are forcing ourselves to to constantly have to further and further industrialize because if we don't have clean water then we need to clean the water to clean the water we need all kinds of chemicals the chemicals need to be dumped somewhere you know then it's all these horrible cycles that like we wouldn't have to do any of that shit if we just didn't fuck with the everglades rant over I guess you can't build those developments they want to do in the land over here. Yes, they can. They just don't want to buy the land because it's more expensive. Well, there you go. You see, because like what, <laughs> what is the cost of land that you can't do anything with? Well, it's going to be really, really cheap. So you get this really, really cheap land and then you spend the money that you would have spent buying property in the places where you can build and you spend like, let's say, 15% of that difference, like lobbying. And then boom, there you go. And then you get gators eating old ladies and their dogs. Yeah. And then insurance, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Going back to the whole culture thing um, well, with um, land, I think, you know, like, like how, how people will consider, you know, like, oh, this is the land of my people. Or, or even I'll think Miami is, is my city because, you know, like I had these memories here, but it's really just contingent upon those memories without those memories. And it's like, because the land has changed a lot. So it's like your memories really just live in your head. So. Oh yeah. And I see that all the time with all the buildings that are not there anymore or buildings yeah. that are there that weren't there before. So it's like, at that point, it's like, is it really the land of your people anymore? <laughs> like, you know, just like broadening out to, you know, let's say the, the natives, like it's not really the land of your people anymore. It's completely changed. Who are my people? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it's interesting. I, I personally, I do think that there's something worthwhile in respecting some of these things. I don't think that we should destroy the Nabataean uh, burial tombs. And I don't think we should encroach in the Everglades. Um, but should we destroy um, statues of presidents? Haven't we already had this discussion? I'm definitely not for the destruction of, of like historical artworks. If there is an artwork that is a private, like a piece of private art. What makes then, it historical? Let's not get into that. Let me let me do, make the argument that I was going to make, though, which is, I think, more, more relevant to the discussion, is that if a piece of art is private and then you acquire that art through, you know, like free market contractual exchange, then you can go ahead and destroy that art if you want to because it's yours. But if that art belongs to some, like, collective group, like the people of this city or the people of that county or something like that, then those people as a collective decide what happens to the art. And some schmuck or some like spoiled, privileged, little left or right or whatever wing or whatever ideological doesn't like have the the right, so to speak, to just go and destroy that because they're offended by it. It's a shame that like, you know, like old art like that just doesn't go into some sort of public domain where it doesn't matter if you own it or not. Like it just shouldn't <laughs> be destroyed, period. Well, but that has to do to me, that has to do with like valuations, though, because if the if the public domain, so to speak, values the art, then why don't the public domain put up the money to acquire and to protect it? This is all to me. It's we got always, potholes. We got potholes that we need fixing. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> our civilization is bullshit. I get it. Have you it. seen I my sidewalk? <laughs> it has cracks. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so you know. So then I don't know. Do you want? Do you want to acquire art or do you want to fix potholes? It's a, 
like to, to me, there's a, there's always trade-offs. It's not necessarily that those are the trade-offs, but I guess I could see some art in the potholes. We could use the art after like grinding it <laughs> <laughs> to, to form a paste, in. like a cement-like paste Jesus to Christ. fill in the potholes. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> it's it's definitely a big problem. Um, I think it's it's absurd though, like how expensive art can get and this becomes a whole fiat discussion right about like the bullshit of the dollar art coin art coin hey art you got a coin yet (laughs) or maybe you've tried it already a few times so um you know the cop 27 talks began recently and uh they've been discussing climate reparations i thought that was an interesting notion climate reparations what do you what do you think that means that whole thing where oh the, the, one concept <laughs> i don't understand the global south has suffered so much due to climate change um and, and the global north has benefited benefited that they should that they should pay reparations to the global south I'm why, so, does, I'm why tr- does that confuse you? I'm still trying to understand what the global South is. Like, okay, the global South is a politically correct or more contemporary term for the third world. Yeah, I know, but like... And the third world is just a I'm term just, for I'm, not I'm, I'm the just, first world. I understand that, but I'm stuck on the semantics. Why is, why is it the global South? It's so stupid. What do you mean? It's... I don't know. That's just like some random arbitrary like elitism. Like the North is better than the South. It's just, to me, it's really just like Europe and North America. That's really what it is. Yeah. And well, that's that's the global North. Yeah. For the most part. But it's like, why can't you include Australia in there? (laughs) Because Australia, who has Australia fucked over? I mean, they're a shitty government, but like, I don't think they've really like done horrible things to too many people. Have they? Mm -hmm. Check Check their own people. Check the history books. Okay. <laughs> they did lock down. And then there's certainly, I know. Okay. Again, like to their own people. But other than that, um, you know, Australia is not really famous for invading anyone or, you know. Uh, okay. So continue with the whole COP27 thing. No, that was pretty much just one. Uh, what do you think oh. climate reparations are? You didn't answer the question. You went oh. off on this tangent. Well, I was, yeah, exactly that. Like, so the North has to pay the global South. Yeah. And, but do you, you don't understand why that makes sense or like, I don't really like, no, I think it's stupid. Like it's stupid to categorize it that way or the idea that pe- both. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't as, as like, some- I mean, I would see, you know, like, <laughs> I guess in terms <laughs> of development, I always support reparations for left-handed people. So, all right. Um, <laughs> all right, Ned. You're lefatorium. <laughs> that, okay. That, yeah. That, that, that killed me right there. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I, I, me as someone who is a big proponent of private property rights and contract, like legal ethical contracts and not stealing from people, mm-hmm. I do think that there are arguments to be made about the global north, so to speak, owing money to the global south, so to speak, for things like resource exploitation and colonialism or whatever. But then it would go down to specific corporations, not yes. necessarily, oh, yes, the absolutely. entire country. I don't, <laughs> and I certainly don't give a shit about this climate change, like, f- farce. Um, to me, this is like a completely, you know, th- this is a, a narrative that they're that they're creating 
to essentially separate people who are going to believe whatever the hell they tell them versus anyone else. Actually, left-handed people are more likely to survive a stroke. Sorry. Well, that's good because I'm really paranoid about strokes. They, my, my grandmother had a lot of strokes at the end of her life. <laughs> um, so you might recall that a maybe was it even last week or the week before? Like I had a bu- probably last week. I did a bunch of clips about we're not wrong, mm-hmm. and I was uh, kind of arguing you, about them. And you were wrong. Was I? Lula won. <laughs> Oh, then now we're talking about a long time ago. I didn't say that Lula couldn't win. When did I say that? What I said was, and These actually, people are so arrogant for thinking there's no way that Lula's going to lose and Lula wins. I mean, I <laughs> again, I didn't expect Lula to lose. I did expect Lula to win. I was just trying to, and and in fact, this is not the topic I was going to bring up. But the, and, and in <laughs> fact, the fact that Bolsonaro got so like he got more than forty nine percent of the vote. So to me, all I was really trying to highlight was the the delusional perspective that the left and that the like the elitists had and were promoting about Brazil in this notion that like Bolsonaro was like an extremely maligned candidate and that he had no chance whatsoever. And I was I was just trying to to argue that that he was more popular than they were giving him credit for. Now, I don't think he's as popular as Panda thinks he is, but this is going to have to be something that I'm going to bring up maybe next week because I'm going to try to do some research on these protests. There have been protests going on, as far as I know, like on and on and on since the end of the election of the the Bolsonaro people, uh, you know, uh, protesting against the election. Lula hasn't even taken office yet. When are you going? I'm not going to Brazil till 2024, probably. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Unless someone wants to finance a trip for me to go to Brazil, I'm I'm not going until 2024. But um, this is interesting. Bitcoin fixes this. You know, I did see one video um, of like some, you know, some people who looked like maybe they were native, but they were wearing the Brazilian flag around their necks. So I kind of like questioned whether they were like, you know, they might have been of native background. But anyways, the, they were they were really adamant about not supporting any violence i had a cell phone but it was so funny how he was like so amazed like oh i can look at my cell phone (laughs) (laughs) um and so i want to understand like how many people are calling for a military coup how many people are just calling for something else you know because to me the logical conclusion of denying the election is a military coup especially because of the kind of president that bolsonaro was and how much he supported the military but I don't know. I don't know. I haven't done a lot of research about that. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm more waiting to see what's going to happen and how. So that, with that comment, it makes me think that that you would say Trump was trying to do a military coup. No, it's a very different context. Like, yeah, context, very, very different. different context. But the, the United States, we had a king in the 17, like the late, you know, the late 1700s, right? And we had a revolution for that. But in Brazil, they didn't have a revolution to get rid of their dictatorship. They just, the dictatorship, I guess, realized that their time was up. So they transitioned to, so to speak, democracy. Bolsonaro and many of his supporters have spoken openly, fondly about the dictatorship. They've said things like the dictatorship wasn't violent enough didn't kill enough people, didn't kidnap enough people. 
you know, sort of insinuating that the problems that exist today are because the dictatorship didn't go far enough instead of recognizing that the problems that exist today are because the working class that had been oppressed throughout the entire the entirety of the dictatorship finally had the right to vote and they voted for the left because they had been oppressed for decades. You know, it's I'm not saying I support Lula, but it's like, hello, people, come on. <laughs> you look at the positive side. They make some great music. Yeah, I love Brazilian music. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of those those socialist, elitist Brazilians make great music, but they're horrible people. What are you supposed to? I don't know what you're supposed to. I meant the oppressed ones. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to talk about this podcast called "We're Not Wrong," and basically, I was sort of criticizing them, and I was making like criticisms about journalistic standards. And so then I found it kind of funny that they then did an episode called "What Is." a real journalist or it was called about what is a real journalist. And so I just wanted to play this clip real quick. On, on this edition of the program, we are going to talk about what it means to be a journalist, either real or citizen. He said in italics and scare quotes. <laughs> so yeah, a journalist, real and citizen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was expecting to kind of, have more clips from that episode, but they actually didn't really go too deep into what is a, a real journalist. A lot of the episode was about the the fact that, so Jen Briney of the Congressional Dish Podcast went to Congress. She was in Washington, D.C., and she wanted to get in to see some congressional session, and they wouldn't let her in. She wanted to go to the press chamber is what it was, or the press area, and they wouldn't let her in because she had not already gone through the vetting process to be approved and so she kind of made a big deal about it and then later she was she was like well it's not really a big deal i just need to go through this process so the episode was kind of benign for the most part but i just thought it was kind of funny that after i'd spent so much time criticizing their their standards of journalism that they would do an episode on what is a real journalist so i guess a real journalist is someone who's paid the money to be vetted Probably, well, probably involves some sort of... Yeah, it's funny. One of the things that they talked about was that, like, the Twitter blue check marks before, that there were certain, you know, um, like, news organizations that if you got a job at that news organization, you would essentially automatically get a blue check mark. And so it was interesting. It has to do with sort of legitimacy or legitimizing. Something that I've always been concerned about in terms of journalism and a free press. We certainly don't have a general free press in this country, whether it's from the fact that the government monopolizes the airwaves or the fact that the government monopolizes like sources of information. So for instance, um, like the police, most police organizations have something these days called a public information officer, someone who's essentially the PR for the for the police. And they will have relationships, like established relationship with news like with reporters. And so those reporters may maintain those relationships to get feeds, to get info and scoops from the, the, pub, the PIO about what's going on with the police. And so they don't, they're not going to do something that's going to spoil that relationship because then they will like get off the list and they will no longer have access to that, that information. Right. Right. And that really bothers me because that's not a free press then. Like if you have to basically suck the dick of this, you know, this, asshole or bitch or whatever to get information and then they're not even going to give you real information they're going to give you the information that that tells the story the way they want to tell it 
which is sometimes even just a straight lie just to manipulate the public and make them think the wrong thing, that's not a free press. And that's not what the First Amendment is about. The First Amendment is not about this like captured media thing. The First Amendment is about like what we're doing right now. I was just saying, that's <laughs> why we have podcasting. <laughs> exactly. Because this is press. Like what we're doing right now is like we're, we're pressing this. This is being broadcast over the internet. And like if, if someone tried to come after us for what we were saying, I would, I would absolutely think that was a First Amendment issue. something I was going to ask you, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, I do remember what it was. It had to do with doing... So, you know, we broadcast this broadcast this live and all that really requires is that my laptop have an internet connection. And then I load this little app. The app is... Was it called Rocketcast? Mm-hmm. Rocket Broadcaster. Rocket Broadcaster. And then uh, we can, you know, we can broadcast. And then you have to do something on what? On Pod Ping. Yeah, I send a live pod ping, like a live event. So that means that the, the apps, the modern podcast apps, which you can get at newpodcastapps.com. So if you're not listening to us on a modern podcast app, what the hell is wrong with you? What the hell is wrong with you? So we could we could theoretically do these broadcasts from like on location, so to speak. So I think it would be interesting for us to explore maybe doing some on location broadcasts. Not that, not that it necessarily means anything because it's like we're in my room and that doesn't, it's, it's not a part we're of the show. We're on but location. Yeah, we're in location. Um, it just, that just makes me think of air and wind sounds and cars. So we have to get better mics, right? That's all right. Well, if you're listening to us, we're starting a mic fund um, and you know you can message us to find out how you can give us money to help us get these mics so that we can go do some on location broadcasts. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next on my list? I, I really don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to trigger anyone, but there was a quote that, that stuck out to me on a recent no agenda show episode. And so this clip is called teleprompter Trump. And I don't like this Trump reading from the prompter and I put it in the newsletter. Very. And to be clear, these guys are pretty good, especially John C. Dvorak. He's a Catholic. He's conservative. These guys are pretty much Trump supporters. I think he's still a Democrat. You think so? Really? <laughs> yeah. But as Adam kind of hinted at it on like the last episode. Oh, wow. But, <laughs> but, in, but for the most part, like these guys didn't really have a problem with Trump and they certainly don't like Obama. So don't, don't take this, this quote the wrong way. He's not saying this because he dislikes Trump. He's, he's talking about Trump in the context of him reading from 
a teleprompter as opposed to like reading off the cuff or just going and, and saying whatever he's thinking. And I don't like this Trump reading from the prompter and I put it in the newsletter, Very an analysis of this. Trump made a big fuss when he ran in 2016 about Obama's teleprompter and he'll never do it and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And now he's like glued to the prompter and he read and he's not a good prompter reader. He's he's dull. No, he's Obama he, he can switch, yeah, He switches so obviously and then he and then he just goes into reading mode. I agree. I agree. Now he's he's a lousy prompter reader. Obama was a good orator. He and he, you know, Trump's you know, he won't have anyone coach him on this, obviously. And so he's, it's like, and he's, and he down talks in a funny way and his style is, it's almost uh, somnambulistic. <laughs> somnambulistic. <laughs> I love that word. Like, it puts you to sleep. It's, it's so, so true though. Like you could tell when he's just like, when he has to read a specific piece about something where you're like, oh, we're so sorry that this happened or whatever. It's just, you can tell he's reading. <laughs> And it was interesting because I was watching um, Lula, the guy who reportedly won. I'm not going to say he, he According actually According to Panda, won, he cheated. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. They all cheat. They're all a bunch of cheaters. Every politician is a cheater, and they're cheating us out of our money, okay? It doesn't matter whether they're conservative or liberal. They're all cheaters. But to go back to the topic at hand, I was watching Lula in Portugal, and he was meeting with like the prime minister of Portugal or something like that. And it was really weird listening to a guy talk Portuguese from Portugal and compare it to the guy from Brazil. But Lula was clearly reading from a teleprompter and he does it well, but it was so obvious because he would literally turn his body. His entire body would move like left, middle, right, middle, left. And so then I was, I was thinking about this, this quote then about Trump and, and it is true. They loved when Trump used to do the rallies back in the day and it was like super off the cuff and he would just go on and on ranting and raving. And to them, it was like very entertaining. It was very showman-like. They thought it was a lot of the reason why he was getting such a strong support. And so if he's getting boring, that's a little, I don't know. I wonder what that's going to mean, but. But despite the fact that he might be getting boring, that doesn't stop the Democrats from talking about him constantly. Yeah, from what I see a lot of half the people who would have been Trump supporters are all like, eh, get rid of him. Let's get somebody else now. So but they'll fall into line if he wins the nomination. They'll but, all get back behind. I don't him. know. <laughs> uh, He's too old. He's not going to make it. <laughs> Nah, nah, nah. Just like with Biden, they'll just pump him full of drugs, keep him going. That fa that family needs that that cow to keep mooing. <laughs> so another another thing that I stole from the No Agenda show, and this was so so this guy was um, making public comment at like a city council meeting or something, and. There's really no other context I can give to this. No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? 
Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country or this world or the corruption that is taking over every single county in this nation? And then you look into your own soul and you look back at yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the cancer that is tearing this nation apart. Good day. Thank you. <laughs> I apologize for anyone who was wearing headphones at a loud volume. Oh, man. Jesus that fucking Christ. Me. That guy went off on it during that meeting like i'm amazed that they let him go i'm amazed he was able to keep his breathing in rhythm <laughs> get yourself in the mirror and realize that you, you are the cancer tearing this nation apart <laughs> oh, i got i got to give it to that guy for having the balls to do that but you know also maybe he was just seeking the clicks he knew yeah. he was going to be able to 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 get the the video sound bite the video. <laughs> oh man, I, I I don't even remember what he was talking about, but he was angry about something. You ever you ever gone to a public meeting, a public like uh, political meeting? I've only seen them on the TV. The last time I went to one, it was had to do with the Aventura. Um, at the time, it was the Virgin train station. Now it's Brightline. And they were asking for $75 million to buy the land and build a station. And I went over to this meeting and I said, guys, don't give these assholes money. <laughs> like they're fucking rich. They literally have billions and like they've collected billions of dollars from investors. And you retards, oh, I'm going to get canceled for that. And you narrow minded, short time preference thinking people are going to give them $75 million so that they can build a station that they're going to going to then charge your citizens to ride or they're making money too out of it who the politicians yeah yeah <laughs> ain't that but but i am excited about the impending opening of the station it is uh, i think done it's almost done yeah i drove by this morning actually it is done and and so they're there's, gonna there's a little skywalk from the platform to the yeah. to the building so because the county paid for the station, they're going to give discounted rides for locals from the Aventura station to downtown. And I think back, like I think, I don't remember uh, the, the discount. I don't even know if it's like worthwhile, but. Is that going to be our first on location? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't think we'd be able to maintain our connection the whole time. Do you think we could on a train? Like <laughs> going like 20 miles? Like would, would, you don't think we'd lose connect? That would be fascinating to try to test that out. I mean, people can be on their phone and drive. Yeah, and the phone calls stay connected, right? It just like switches towers or something. I think it's worth a shot. All right. Well, so if you're, you know, if if you want to be a technical producer for our crazy experiment when the Virgin train station, the, the Brightline train station, and opens, take the roadcaster in the car. <laughs> well, if it's an hour and a half, we've got to go from. We should probably go from downtown Miami all the way to West Palm Beach. Yeah. Because just from, from downtown Miami to Aventura is not going to be long enough to do. Due to a technical glitch, well beyond the capacity of any person to control at this point, we lost the remainder of this episode to time and poor memory. We hope you can forgive this failure and look forward to speaking with you again next time. <laughs>